We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle drew 1-1 at Bournemouth in the South Coast. Another draw, one point on the road for Newcastle United. And I've got Simon Campbell and Charlotte Robson, who was in the away end, to talk about the game, what happened and why. We're on Patreon for three to eight pounds per month for lots more analysis of this game uh, and other games to come. Come and join us. Link in the description to the podcast for that. Sai, you think that was shite. Tell us about it. <laughs> When you asked me before we started recording, what would I like to talk about? I sort of off the cuff said we were shite. But um, yeah, I don't think we were shite, but I do think it's time to start talking about the performance not being not being good enough. Um, the reason I say that is there's been a lot of talk about Newcastle drawing and and whether or not that's acceptable. And, and I've always kind of said, look, teams at, the, at this time of the season will will take points off of teams at the top you know we that was us last season we were taking points of everybody and were they were they panicking every time someone dropped points in Newcastle I, I'm not so sure but but you have to look at this result in isolation and um I don't think Bournemouth were good West Ham the other week West Ham were very good I thought that was a good point against West Ham because we played well we were the better side and we certainly had chances to win that game Leeds was a good draw we, we battered them we should have won 3 or 4 nil comfortably Arsenal was a good draw Palace away was a good draw. You know, we had like 15 corners and loads of shots on target. We should have won that game as well. I think there's an argument that we could have lost this one. You know, you watch back the highlights. Bournemouth had the best of the chances. Other than the goals, Bournemouth had the more, you know, key chances in that game. So we we didn't we didn't deserve any more than a draw from this game. This wasn't a good draw. We were we were poor. We were off our game. Um, I think it was very hard to pick anyone from our um lineup. As a, as a standout player, I thought it was a lot of 7 out of 10s. You could argue possibly some even worse than 7 out of 10. So, yeah, I think um, that's as bad as I've seen us. And it's it's worrying because we keep saying it's going to come, it's going to come. Based off the back of all those games I just talked about, you thought, well, you know, the West Ham game, we, we, we battled throughout, we'll go again. Um, after Leeds, after Palace, it's, like, it's only a matter of time before we give someone a hiding. And you thought, you know, Bournemouth, who've barely scored a goal, barely won a game, since the World Cup, this was the chance, and the fact that we haven't taken it, now you start to worry. You start to worry about performances. You start to worry about individuals. You start to worry about the injuries and the squad depth. And um, there's a lot of things to take away from that game that you can't describe as positive. And I think most most worrying was the um, was the I think lack of urgency. And we've talked about this for a while. And I think we, me and you, Alex, talked about this briefly post game is that we didn't really kick into gear until we were already behind. And that's kind of the mm. 
we've done that a few times now. We've we've not we're not starting games. I mean, we started West Ham brilliantly, but then we quickly drifted. It's taken us a long time to get going. We weren't pressing high. We weren't, you know, it wasn't the same approach. Um, and I get it, you know, um, this time last year, a Bournemouth away or a, or whatever, it would have been a, a massive, massive three, six pointer. And whereas now it's just a game against a, a crap team and we still haven't found a way to treat these games with the respect they deserve and go and win them. So lots of lots of questions that remain unanswered after that one. So I'm, I'm more disappointed than I have been after most of the recent results. I think Sai is our sort of has always been our sort of resident negative, but I kind of have to um, agree with him a little bit more here than I normally would. It is worrying. You can't you can't pretend that everything's going brilliantly well when we're just drawing and drawing and drawing. It's not that they're going spectacularly bad, but it's not going brilliantly well. And we had such a good start to the season and such a great end to last season that um, you know we talked about what you guys talked about this sort of expectation and perspective and things like that on our Patreon podcast this week. But I just think, I think that there are a lot of questions there and it's interesting. So you said there that we were sort of due to give teams a hiding. Well, after Bournemouth scored their first goal, I started worrying if we were due a hiding because they Mm. um, increased in um, confidence immediately and they started pressing us. Um, now, I, like realistically, I didn't think they were going to spank us like eight nil or anything like that. But, but it did look like they were going to get more goals. They had more opportunities yesterday, and we looked really nervous on the ball, particularly mm. in that first half. In the second half, I'm sure we can dissect first second half. But the second half was a lot better. The first half, I was like, we are going to lose this game if we keep playing like this. Um, it was just such nerves I don't know if it's it there were several sort of journalists on Twitter talking about it's the cup nerves it's team players not wanting to get um yellows it's players not wanting to get injured never mind that three players went off yesterday anyway um but yeah I I think that there are a lot of questions and there we knew how Bournemouth were going to play we've played them twice this season like we we knew that they were going to do this low block type thing. They might frustrate us in midfield. We don't have answers to that yet. And I think we should at this point in the season. Very interesting comments from you both. I'm probably a little bit more positive um, overall. Newcastle finished yesterday in a better position Champions League-wise than they did before. Spurs lost four. Like, would you rather be drawing 1-1 at Bournemouth or getting done 4-1 at Spurs? And yeah. so you made this point that... Um, you know, the league at the minute is very hard. Leeds took a point at Old Trafford. Um, Brentford have taken a point at Arsenal. Arsenal lost at Everton. The, there may be some sort of fatigue across the better players in the league because of the World Cup, though, in theory, that shouldn't shouldn't that should help Newcastle because they didn't have as many World Cup players uh, about as others. But you, I would expect to see some of these stranger results. I do agree with you broadly both that the performance was substandard and below par maybe for the first time this season. In fact, probably since Bournemouth at home mm. in the league anyway. I don't actually think you could say, if you look at any of those other games we've played, that Newcastle deserved to lose. And I wouldn't even say necessarily Newcastle deserved to lose yesterday. They could have lost. They could have lost in the last minute when Dan Byrne does his mad Dan Byrne thing and almost <laughs> gifts the opposition opposition a goal. But I, I, I've kind of brought some perspective to myself after the result. Bournemouth at home or one of the best defensive sides in the league. They're a very bad team, but defensively at home, they've only conceded 12 goals in 11 games now, and only Chelsea, Brighton, Liverpool, Newcastle, and Man United 
uh, have conceded less. Man City have conceded the same number of goals at home as um, as Bournemouth have. So they're not an easy touch at home like they are away from home. And in fact, actually, if you if you look at the two results against Bournemouth this season, it's actually our home draw with them that is the kind of disaster result. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly since Bruno was was playing, if not a hundred percent fit for that one. So it's not it's not the worst result. I think you know in the context of recent performances, is it five draws and six? It's a lot of draws. It's seventeen games unbeaten now. Um, so I'm not saying that was positive. It wasn't, and it wasn't a good performance. In particularly, the first thirty minutes for me was dreadful. In fact, it's the worst yeah. thirty minutes I think Newcastle put on the pitch in any yeah. competition this season. Um, and, and and that's a concern for the reasons that you touched on, Sai. Uh, I thought that our pressing was half-hearted. I thought we were disorganised. Um, possibly a little bit disinterested. I'm sure that wasn't the case. It was the kind of pressing that when Newcastle occasionally used to press under Steve Bruce, they'd do where you'd you'd run up, you'd run toward the player who had the ball, but you'd make you know no no um no intention of actually tackling yeah. him or taking the ball off him. I don't know whether that's because you said to me yesterday, Charlotte, Charlotte, no one wanted to pick up an early yellow card because there's mm. there's fears about missing games or anything like that. But it was just it was just it was just shocking in the first thirty and um. And, and the fact Newcastle were kind of sent out early in the second half by Howe suggests that he, he agrees with that assessment. That first 30 in particular, um, like you said, Charlotte, it just looked like Bournemouth were the better side. And that's not okay. That's not good enough. But it, we did rectify it and went, went ahead in the, you know uh, across the rest of the game. I do, I do just think 17 games unbeaten um, in all comps, is, not all competitions in the Premier League, is something to be celebrated. Um, it's a missed opportunity. We keep giving Spurs chances to stay in this top... Uh, for race, which is frustrating, but overall the picture is still very positive. Fourth in the league, two points clear with a game in hand of fifth place, and in a cup final, Bruno Gomes to come back into that side. Um, the overall picture is still very, very rosy indeed. Yesterday was a poor performance. It's maybe the first real big poor performance of the season, or certainly only the second or third. It happens. Lots of teams put in bad performances. I just don't quite see the need to panic, even though it would be nice to start turning some of these draws into wins. Sai? I, I agree. I agree. Uh, it certainly was. This is the first time I thought we've, we've deservedly not not won the game, uh, as I said before. But I think uh, if I want to put a little bit more of a positive spin on it, as I always like to do, Charlotte, um, is... Um, Look at the other results in the Premier League this weekend. You know, Chelsea have, have dropped points at West Ham. Chelsea have added like three hundred million pounds of the players or whatever. Um, Spurs get Mohamed. Um, no guarantees that Man United can can beat Leeds this time. Um, that you know, there's this Arsenal. Uh, there's, there's points being dropped all over the place. It, it's it's a tough league. It's a business end of the season. Teams in relegation scraps put everything into it. Um, teams that are fighting for for um, Europe, it, it's more challenging. It's a it's a test that we've never had before as well. It's a test that none of our players have had. It's a test that Eddie Howe and his coaching staff have never had. It's going into the business end of the season with something to play for that's not surviving relegation. It's not like, right, we either, we either win this game or we die. It's actually, we don't need to win this game, but we absolutely, want, if we want to win something, we have to win the game. You know, it's 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 a slightly different dynamic that we have to get used to. And uh, I thought that's what what was missing. Um, I've seen a lot of the um, narrative of we look tired, we look leggy. Uh, the word mm. burnout's being bandied around a lot. Um, there's there's cup hangover. I didn't see that yesterday, and I haven't seen that in any of our games in terms of tiredness because we always finish the game more strongly. You know, over the 90 minutes, we definitely still look the fitter team in every one of these games. But what what Dodge just touched on there in terms of the the pressing and the intensity wasn't there. Um, I don't. You could put that down to, to fatigue, I suppose. But I just think it's um, we're, we're not sure how to treat these games. We're not we're not 
coming to Bournemouth and treating them like any opposition. We're coming to Bournemouth and just kind of saying, oh, it's only Bournemouth. I'm not going to try as hard. If you know, I'm doing them a disservice. I'm, I'm making, I'm probably oversimplifying that, but there's something not right about our approach to these games. We only really start to take the game seriously as we get to like 60, 70 minutes and we can't keep playing against teams at the bottom and needing something in the last 15 minutes because by the time a team like Bournemouth or a team like Leeds or a team like Palace have got to 75 minutes, they're going to believe that they can hang on for another 15, 20 minutes and take the point, which we yeah. don't want the point. They do want the point. So we need to start um, taking these games more seriously earlier and trying to get get the game out of sight. Um, we talked about it. I mean, you talked about it in the preview, Dodds, killing the game off early, and we, we just didn't do that. We haven't done that for weeks. So, yeah, it's the it's the... It's the urgency and intensity rather than the fitness or the, the tiredness that worries me. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about the start of the game, isn't it? Um, Bournemouth, for as good as they are defensively at home, they don't score many. And their records in terms of coming from behind this season is dreadful. So if you want to do anything, you want to start the game at 100 miles an hour. You want to start the game pressing relentlessly. And, and, and truly, if you go behind after that by trying to force the opponent's hand, then that's better than doing what we did, which is kind of be listless and pointless for the first 30 minutes at least. Uh, a gift born with a goal, like you say, Si, that they're always going to view a point as a good result. And it is it is hard playing football against teams, particularly away from home, who just get out all of their men behind the ball. Very rarely did Bournemouth get men ahead of the ball. Very rarely did they really press us really high up the pitch. They did in the first couple of minutes and immediately stopped doing that, maybe because they didn't have to, because we kept giving them the ball back in midfield. But it is hard. It's going to be really interesting to see, because we've got a, we've got a season-defining couple of weeks coming up. We've got Liverpool at home, Manchester United in the final, and Manchester City away. And this is where th- this results and previous results could look much worse than certainly I'm giving them credit for at the minute because if, if you lose those games or you don't win those games as well first of all it becomes one win in eight and second of all you look back at those fixtures and think well we should have won those games to give ourselves and we could have given ourselves a nice barrier coming up to these fixtures having said that Liverpool aren't going to come and stick eight men behind the ball at all times uh, Liverpool aren't going to come and 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 and, th- and probably because it's Liverpool and this Klopp's gone a bit mad still view a, a point as a, as a good result so Opportunities will be different for Newcastle in coming weeks, but Sai, you are absolutely correct. Um, it, it, it's a problem that we, we, and Charlotte, you said it earlier, it's a problem that we we don't yet have a solution for, and that's kind of frustrating. Though the problem could be, without Bruno Gomares, we're not very good, haven't won with him this season. The decision to let John Joe Shelby go is looking a bad one at the minute. He was only fit enough to make the bench for Forrest yesterday, but he's better than fucking nobody, which, which mm. is pretty much what we've got at the minute if Joe Willock is indeed injured for Liverpool next week, which it looks like he might be. Just before we, we break for part one, Charlotte, you, you were there on the ground for the return of Howe to Bournemouth. Uh, how was it? Was it was it a factor? Um, you know, I'm trying to work out what impact that would have had on our players because it definitely had an impact on Eddie Howe. He was given a, a really nice sort of moment at the end by the Bournemouth players who weren't able to um, give him his send-off, I think, because he left during covid um, so he he never really got. This was the first time he's returned, you know, as a as a manager. I, you know, I, I don't know on what personal capacity he's been back, but the, all the reports say that he hasn't really been back. So um, he definitely seemed emotional. You know, he's quite a, a stoic sort of um, straight down the line guy, but he definitely seemed emotional towards the end there. So I, I don't know. I don't want to sort of then layer that over our players and say that they were playing differently or or this draw is because it was Eddie Howe's and Jason Tindall's return to Bournemouth but 
um it was certainly a sort of a sort of moment there yeah okay that'll do it for part one um back after these adverts if you don't want to listen to the adverts then then come and join us on patreon it's just three pounds a month to hear the two free shows a week that we put out advertisement free speak to you after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Charlotte, then talk to us about your your day in Bournemouth and uh, the away end yesterday. It was quite quite loud on TV, but then you also suggested to me in Sire Fair that it did start to turn a little bit. Yeah, and I'm being hypersensitive there, so I don't want to be oh, like overreactive or um, dramatic. Um, it was a great away end. There was a really lovely part in the first half where they were all singing the Christian Atsu song, which I hadn't heard in so long. I was I texted Alex at half time. I was like, what is that song? And he was like, they've been singing the Atsu song. I was like, yes, of course it is. My brain obviously didn't make the connection, but um, it was uh, it was good. It was good. There was a, a sort of um, strange man in front of me who kept asking questions throughout the game, <laughs> including about 12 minutes in, he turned around and went, is Alan Saint-Maxman playing today? And I was like, yeah, he's he's there on the pitch in front of you. Valid uh, question after 12 minutes to be fair, <laughs> I would have said the same thing. Fair enough. Um, maybe he needs, you know, an eye check or something like that. But but <laughs> past that, um, it was good. Everybody was like, Bournemouth's a really nice day out. Um, it's a, you know, seaside town. It's I really like it. Um, I have fond memories of going there. My brother used to live there. So yeah, just potted around. the The actual game started. The um, concourse was obviously jumping. Everybody's so excited for Wembley. Most of those songs dominating it. And then, um, and then, it's sort of Alex. You said that that first half, that first thirty minutes was terrible. You could sort of feel a lot of frustration, but a, still a faith. You know, we'll get back into the game. We um, we have a lot going on for us here. This should be fine. Um, and then. As we were, as they were getting more chances, this is in the second half, and we weren't, you know, created seven minutes added on of extra time. The crowd obviously got behind Newcastle and said, um, and was shout, you know, expecting us to create something. A lot of frustration. I think there was a, a goal opportunity that was offside from Isak, but even if he knew he was offside, it just he just like flung it into the stands. So that it's sort of you just start thinking, are we ever gonna? Are we ever going to break teams down? Are we ever going to score? And I definitely started to feel some frustration in where I was in the away end. This sort of like, what was that man? This is fucking hopeless. Um, 
65 million quid i could spend that twice i could spend 30 million and get two proper strikers like this is rubbish all of this sort of stuff not necessarily stuff i agree with but you know fans can be fickle and and you could feel that a little bit interesting and there was a lot of newcastle's basic play yesterday which i thought was really poor um and that that that's always frustrating to watch as a fan you know simple things like i mean i thought newcastle gave the ball away relentlessly in midfield in the first half, and particularly very hard to build an attack. Uh, if you don't have the ball, you keep giving it back to the opposition. Um, you touched on Isaac there, Charlotte. Let's let's go to Sai about that one, it's, because because he, he, he hasn't had the... Um, he scored a lot of goals in terms of games that he's played compared mm. to goal return, and he showed some real flashes of, of, of brilliance. But then other times he's played, and he's played. Two, you know, he's, his, his only his last two league starts have both been against the same kind of stuff and Bournemouth opposition. But you want to talk about Masai? Yeah, it was. It was. An, uh, I mean, it, it kind of summed up the first half, didn't it? Isaac, uh, we we uh, we were so almost playing with the muscle memory of playing with Wilson. There was lots of um, balls right direct to him, either to his feet or in the air. Um, that Callum Wilson, to be fair to him, can can pluck out the air, he can chest it, he can bring it down, he can bring it down on the turn. Um, or balls into feet, Wilson will again try and turn or try and pop it off. I don't think that's Isaac's game. Isaac's raw pace. He want he wants balls in the channels. He wants things to run onto you. He wants um, you know one twos. He wants little little moves with 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 players like Maxi. Um, didn't get any of that in the first half. Literally uh, until bang on half time when we scored that goal. Um, second half we we seemed to get it. We seemed to like release him and he, he got really really involved in the game. There was lots of little balls into the into the channels over the top. He was running onto stuff. Right up to the 90th minute, by the way, you know he's not played a huge amount of football since he was since he was injured. So yeah. I, I think defenders look terrified. I think um, he did, he's, he's just so quick and sharp, and he, he he finds the right pass. He knocks it off to to Longstaff, or he he knocks it out to to Maxi much much quicker than we have been in recent weeks. So yeah, I think he's we we want to see more of him. I mean, I love that that cameo with Wilson, with Maxi, and and Miggy all together. I'd like probably to see more of that in these kind of games because it, it's becoming quite obvious. We need more to to break down um, these these teams. So you kind of want to see Isaac and um, Wilson in the same team as part of a. You know, he needs more players up with him. I thought he looked isolated very much in the first half, but even in the second half, he was doing a lot by himself, and there wasn't enough up with him. So that's what I want to see more of. It didn't help that Willick was. I'm, I'm going to assume he was injured from the start because he was really, really poor. Everything was, nothing was working. He was giving the ball away. He wasn't really getting up with play. So I'm assuming his hamstring was bothering him from early doors. Um, but if that's, he was our most advanced midfielder on the day. Joe Linton and Longstaff were very, very deep, certainly in that first half. So no one was getting forward with Isaac. And I felt like he was just too isolated. He's not that kind of player. He's not a, he's not a target man. He's not a lone striker. He's a linker player. He needs, he needs stuff to run onto. He needs players running off him and we'll get there with him because he looks really, really good. I agree with you, Sai. And I think Isak has tons of potential. You're absolutely right that he's a link-up player. He's able to collect the ball and move it up because he's very, um, move it up the pitch because he's very, fast he's quite fast for a striker and he's he's also like uh, long-legged he can cover a lot of ground quite quickly but he had no support yesterday there was no support really from midfield as you say once Joe Willock came off and really when Joe Willock was still on it's very generous of you to be saying maybe he was sore from the beginning maybe he was injured mm. from the beginning maybe he was just having an off day but he like Willock looks to be the the only one I think who will not be fit for the next next game. Um, we really, really need that link-up play. We, and I'm sure we'll talk about Dan Byrne and that um, 
the we we lack that on in all areas of the pitch is the point I'm trying to make. We don't have that sort of creative midfielder in Bruno because he's been he's on this red red card game ban um that can push the ball up the pitch and i i think there's loads of ex- like flashes of excellence from alexander Isak, but um you say you think he'll get there he'll only get there if we've got the right players to kind of feed the balls to him i do definitely think he can score for us and and i i always said oh i, I wouldn't want to see him as a two with wilson and then i was proven immediately wrong as soon as he played as a two with wilson i would like to see that i would like to see us come out with intensity, see him play with Wilson more and see how they work together because I think that could be a really nice partnership. We'll be interested next week when it, won't it? With if you assume when it gets injured, he either goes four three three playing Elliot Anderson or maybe Anthony Gordon. I don't know whether we do that further back, but if, if he has to change for four two three one like he seemed to do yesterday, um, you know Wilson Isak could be in that three. Uh, behind Wilson, so it's it, it's possible. I don't know whether it's probable, but it's definitely possible. Sai, I thought you made a really good point about muscle memory kind of kicking in and, and almost playing like we we did with Wilson and the team. And actually, the kickoff of the game, the goal, the ball gets played back to Fabian Cher, who, who launches it long to Alexander Isak. And I was like, immediately from that moment, it was just it was a bit strange. It was like, well, he's not going to win that header. Obviously, yeah. he's not going to win that header. Um, Bournemouth centre-backs are big, good in the air. It was a really strange one. And, and, and our general play, we see everything goes down the right in the first half of every game. That's the rule. It never changes. It's kind of frustrating, but it never, ever changes. Everything goes down the right because the right side of the pitch is so good. Trippier, Almiron, Sean Longstaff these days, they work well together. So everything goes down the right. And we have a lot of success in that area, but it seems like a lot of the other players, and I'll include Trippier himself in this, or creating or going through patterns of play to create space for Trippier to cross the ball. And yesterday, it's like, who, who are you crossing it for? Why are we continuing to try and engineer a situation where Trippier crosses the ball? To who? Yeah. You know, you've got ASM. You've got, I mean, ASM went up for one header yesterday, got injured. Like, you can't, you're not going to score a header. So you said he scored a header at Sheffield United away. It wasn't planned. Yeah. It was just like one of those weird, mad shit things that used to happen under Steve Bruce. Um, like, Miggy's not going to get under the header. Isak might be okay with his head. He scored with his head, but he's he's not going to kind of out-jump any Bournemouth centre-backs. And then you kind of got Joe Linton playing further back, and he, he's good with his head, and he scored goals with his head for Newcastle. I just think, I just thought it was a strange way to continue the game as the game plan was, like, create space for Trippier to get a ball in. And, and, and people are kind of critical of Trippier's crossing not really crossing to anyone, you know, like, and that's why Callum Wilson was a miss yesterday. He was a miss. He didn't play against Bournemouth in the, the home um, game in the in the league. In the home cup game, he caused them lots of problems. Otherwise, had a perfectly good goal, disallowed, and, and, and was a real thorn in their side. I think I think maybe yesterday was just better set, you know, set up for Callum Wilson. It's kind of frustrating that we didn't change things. Having said that, you know... <sighs> The whole team just played badly. I can look at individual performances or look at things that went wrong. The whole team just just weren't on it last night. And I want to talk about that left side because it it, it is a problem. And now, now it's a problem all the time anyway that we play without an attacking left back. But that problem is comfortably offset by the effectiveness of that non-attacking left back in his role in the best defence 
in the country by some distance. So you can kind of forgive that a little bit. The issue with 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 that now is that before we had Willock and Joe Linton, you know, kind of supplementing each other, doing the role of of because they're both so athletic, doing the role of both central midfielder, left winger, and left back. Just between the two of them, they've just got it sorted. Or left back in, a, in an attacking sense, I mean, while still providing defensive cover. Now that um, that has changed because of Bruno's increasingly frustrating red card considering it was picked up in a game we'd already won mm. on the night. Um, Dan Byrne is a problem for ASM. It is a problem. Now that's not to excuse ASM's lack of performance but he consistently has two and three men around him um, and has no overlapping fullback at least for large parts of games. In the second half it changed a little bit and you did see times when Byrne was overlapping, but for the for the first parts of games, Newcastle almost play with a back three in possession. Byrne doesn't get forward. ASM is crowded out. On top of that, if we are potentially going to play a 4-2-3-1 or something like that ne- next week, it almost just doesn't work. But on top of that, Dan Byrne had a really bad game defensively. He almost gave the, gave the whole game away, and this is a completely different conversation because drawing 1-1 with that performance, you've taken a positive result from a negative performance. If you got beat and thrown away that unbeaten record against a very bad team in the relegation zone, it, it, you know, everything's ratcheted up further. Just, just want some thoughts on Dan Byrne from you both. I don't think anyone, I haven't really heard anyone suggest dropping him. Matt Target's not fit anyway. Jamal Lewis isn't going to get a game ahead of, of Dan Byrne, but Newcastle did start the season with Matt Target in the side. Um, just interesting to kind of get your thoughts on Dan Byrne and, and if this if this isn't a problem because the defensive record is still so good or or where where are you both at with it? I don't know who wants to go first. I will offer a tiny bit of perspective on the defensive record. Like it is it is great. We've conceded what two goals in in fifteen games or something like that. That's 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 an excellent defensive record in league games. I think. Um, I. It, it, he he wasn't good yesterday. The thing about yesterday is he knew he wasn't good. You could see him getting frustrated with his game. Vitality Stadium's very small. You're very close to the players. You can see as we got as the you know clock was running down, he you know the ball went into the um, away fans and he they, you know you hold on to it. People are drunk. People are cheering. He he was he was like like you know not rude but kind of like give me the ball back right now. I need to pick this game back up. It is a worry. I worry particularly around him losing his head, playing a bad game like that, and then going into the next game and think and sort of losing that confidence. I also I don't think he's he's gonna. I don't think we'll see any changes to the team sheet. I don't know what realistic change you could make with Dan Byrne. We don't have options there, like you say. We did start with Matt Target. I just I just can't see Eddie Howe doesn't like changing sides very much. Is is what I'm getting from the longer we have him in charge. And I would I would really struggle to see any change happening. There's a lot of loyalty there. There's a lot of, you have to prove your place. Unless Dan Byrne has a catastrophic game, which I don't think you could say yesterday was catastrophic. It wasn't good, but it wasn't catastrophic. And he's had these sort of pockets of brilliance in the last few games, including the cup games where he scored goals. And it's been this, this big sort of moment. You know that he, you know that he can. I think, I think you're right. We need to think about things not just in those terms, but in the terms of well, we don't have Bruno, we don't have Willock, we don't have, and and how the game is then going to move up the pitch because he's not going to bring the ball up the pitch. Um, but I don't think there'll be a change next week. 
I think if Matt Target was not injured, he probably would have seen him yesterday. I think Dan Byrne looked looked like he needed to come off. Not not again, not because he was playing so terribly. I mean, he did have a bad game, but just needed a break. He was he was struggling a bit and his confidence was gone. Get Matt Target on for the last half an hour for several reasons. I think I thought Alan St. Maximan's performance yesterday was defined by his teammates, which, mm-hmm. which isn't a good thing to say about Maxi, but first half, because Dan Byrne was so deep, because Joe Willick was struggling to get up with him. Um, he was very isolated and so easy to defend against. I mean, he barely got the ball. And when he did, he had like four defenders on him. He just had no chance. I mean, again, the one time we released him and he got that ball across, we scored a goal. Second half, because we'd had to change things, um, and Dan Byrne always does, I don't know if it's a word in his, in his ear at half time, but he does tend to come out a little bit more in the second half. And even though it's just to take a man away, nobody's asking Dan Byrne to bomb on, get past a man and whip a deadly cross in. It's just that you need to take a man away. You need to offer something so that the defenders don't have an easy job of doubling up on Maxi. And I thought um, Anthony Gordon coming on the pitch opened up the game for Maxi as well. Maxi was very, very effective for 20 minutes before he got injured because Gordon was there taking a man away. And suddenly the defenders had multiple things to worry about. Dan Byrne's getting forward. Gordon's the other side. Maxi suddenly got a bit of space with the ball and he gets on the ball and he cuts inside. The, the final ball wasn't there. And a couple of times you just think, just have a shot, mate. Just, you know, we've mm. seen you do it before. Cut inside, ping it in the in the corner. And he didn't really do that. He he tried a couple of floaty crosses. Again, we go back to the floaty crosses, which was stupid, but yeah. it was working. And it, Maximan only works if he's got someone taking taking players away. And I think if Matty Target was fit, he's, he's got injured at the worst possible time because during these fixtures, during the seven games in January, and then these subsequent fixtures where I think Dan Byrne out of all of them might be the one who does, I would admit, look a little bit tired, a little bit maybe mentally fatigued more than anything. Just the way he reacted to that ball that he gave away. He just it just it was really bizarre. Uh, it wasn't very uh, characteristic of, of Dan Byrne or this Eddie Howe team at all to, to like really like let your head go like that. So mm. um if Matty Target was available, you might you might have seen him play some minutes during this this period, but you're not gonna put Paul Dummett there. And I think after Jamal Lewis in the cup. You're not really confident putting him in there. So that's why we're, we're stuck where we are, Charlotte. I think you're right. You'll play the same team. He's not going to want to kill Dan Bin's confidence by dropping him, but he needs to kind of be told uh, Liverpool might be the game where you need a, a regular Dan Byrne performance. He's going to have to defend more. But, you know, in future against bottom half teams, he needs to he needs to give Maximan a bit more space. And to, to do that, you've got to get forward. You've got to at least take a man or pretend to, to offer a pass, even if it's even never going to take it. If you're not even offering it, then then it's too easy to defend against Maxi. Yeah, and I I don't want to dig into Dan Byrne too much. Like it was, it wasn't. He had an off day. Maybe he'll have a, an on day next week. You mentioned Gordon there, and I think it's important that we don't just sit here and um, be negative. There what there are some positive. There's always positive. There's always things you can eke out of every game, and I do think that Gordon is one. He really offers us that um, that pace, that sort of creativity, that um, fun kind of on the pitch that Maxi sort of, you know, you saw when we first got Maxi. He's not the same exact kind of player, obviously, but um, you're right. He, he he draws players away. He, he creates space. He also, he kept, he's like a little whipper. He gets into, he can get the ball past the man. He... Um, he doesn't seem particularly phased by having a couple of players on him. Um, he he did a daft sort of foul in the second half there, but you know what? Like he's still he's still a kid and he's going to do daft fouls. Everybody does daft fouls every now and then. Bruno did one a couple of games ago that I think we can all um, recall. So I'm not going to penalise him too much for that. I think I'm quite excited to see Gordon bed into the team a bit more. I'm quite excited to see more minutes on on uh, with him. I just think. 
I think he can offer us a lot of creativity. If we can get that end product, if we can get Isak firing, if we can get the, the people into the right positions, I really think he's going to create opportunities for us. It was so unlucky that he didn't score in the second half there. There was a sort of an excellent shot from Sean Longstaff. Uh, loads of power behind that. Uh, parried away by um Bournemouth keeper and then and then Gordon he really should have he really should have put it away but he, he didn't and and you can see how hungry he is for that as well so um really just looking forward to seeing more of him I think he is a class player and I think he's and he's got the right you know everybody made a lot of noise or people made a lot of noise about his his sort of attitude and his sort of who he is as a person and he won't fit into Eddie Howe's team well I don't agree with that at all I think he's a hard worker and I think he's here to prove himself I felt a little bit like his teammates, as in the rest of the Newcastle squad, need to catch up with him, which is a weird thing to say, but he does yeah. do that. He, he, the ball goes to him and his first touch is out of his feet. His second touch is past a man. By the time he's past that fullback or past that defender or past that midfielder, Miggy, Isaac, Maxi, Joe Linton should all be running into space looking for a ball, but they're a bit slow to react. It's like, oh, he's beat his man. It's like, shit, I should have been there, should have been they're in that not space. Used to and, it. That's yeah. That's something we're gonna to have to to learn. And and he, once he's played more with his teammates, you'd hope to see that a bit more cohesion between him. Same thing with Isaac. I think it's just learning when they're gonna make their runs, and it's like trusting. Actually, he's gonna beat that man, so I'm gonna be over there when he's beat his man. I'm gonna be ready to to receive that ball because I think I I felt Gordon's frustration quite a few times yesterday when he did knock a pass to man or when he did pick up the ball, open up the game into a bit of space, and he's looking up and there's very little on. There's very little movement. There's very little kind of. Uh, desire to get into space to, to to feed off him and I think that's just learning to play with him because he is a young raw talent but the lads probably don't know much about him and, and they don't know what he's going to do yet and that's training that's weeks of training and they'll they'll get used to that so it's it's exciting and that is a positive definitely but I felt frustrated for him yesterday yeah I really like his impatience he's impatient he gets the ball particularly in the in the opposition's half and he's like right let's crack on the ball is moving forward at pace or I'm moving forward with the ball at pace I need you all to re react around that and sometimes like you say Sai the don't he's almost kind of on his way and, and, and players are expecting the ball to go sideways or backwards I really like that about him it's it's you know it's, it's full of youth and energy and a little bit maybe tactical naivety but as a fan that's also what you want that's maybe why the away end is getting frustrated a bit last night towards the end because you're like get the ball in the fucking box lads that's what you want to see as a fan and, and, and Gordon kind of plays like that it might get coached out of him which might be a good thing but uh i really just love his enthusiasm and his willingness to get forward with the ball um can't score if the if the, if the ball's going backwards that's what anthony gordon thinks probably anyway let's um let's finish the show with a question i've got for you both you know social media in the aftermath of a game like that is is particularly toxic uh i don't believe you know at all that the team shouldn't be criticized they should they weren't very good at all last night didn't play well but i also think that they're definitely needs to be some more perspective after after results we didn't lose we didn't lose you know the way some people reacted like we'd lost the game you know Arsenal lost at Everton the other week who were in 19th place or something like that you know it, it's a hard league all that kind of stuff I don't really buy the conversation that you know some people say you can't criticize the team that's not real it's all social media stuff lots of people criticize the team uh, and lots of people praise the team they're allowed to do both both are absolutely fine one of the more interesting topics within this conversation, though, is this belief by some that, and, and some journalists as well, that Eddie Howe had a team playing significantly above the sum of its parts for the first part of the season. And while they're not bad now, we're just now seeing a, a team full of triers return to their natural level, which is probably 
within the sixth to eighth best team in the league. And you're kind of going to see that, particularly with the lack of rotation, with the um, the games are going to come thick and fast the rest of the season as we play catch-up for the World Cup. What do you guys think, Sia, start with you? Are we seeing just a return to where the team actually are, or do you think this is just a blip and, and we'll get better soon? Uh, it's a it's a really hard question, and, and one I, I'd imagine none of us really want to answer, honestly, because... There is that creeping suspicion that we're that we're finally seeing the come down from from over a year of just absolutely performing above above expectations. Uh, I want to use the word expectations rather than above our level because I think when you can play that well for so long, that becomes your level. I, I don't think you you can um, say that twelve months or more. You, you can say twelve months certainly um, since about February last year, we've we've performed at a, a level that that is top four. You don't do that for 12 months. You can have a three-month new manager bounce. You can have a, a three-month you know, hot streak. Uh, even Bruce got put some runs together um, somehow. Um, so, But you, you, you don't have a 12-month hot streak. I think um, it, it, the Premier League is, is evolving around us very quickly. Um, Newcastle have become a, a team that play that, that sides come up against and fear uh, and, and approach differently. Um, I think we, as a, a, a club and as a fan base, now see the likes of Bournemouth as, as cannon fodder teams to, to be swept aside. And that's something we have to get used to. And, and, you know, teams like Man City and Liverpool used to come to places like this and get really frustrated. And you'd see Klopp or, or, um, or Pep complaining that they didn't play football and they didn't, they, they just try to stop the game. And we're seeing signs of that in some of the performances, albeit Bournemouth had the better chances yesterday. They did get a lot of men behind the ball, but they, you can't say they tried to stop the game. Although there was the usual kicking the ball away and wasting as much time as possible in the last 15 minutes, and the ref doing very little about it, um, so there's a, there's a lot going on here. It's 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 very it's it's too easy to say we're just not playing as well, full stop, and we've we've come back down to our level. I think uh, there's injuries, there's there's fixtures. You know, we we played eight games in January. I think it's important to remember that we've we <laughs> the only game we lost was against Sheffield Wednesday, which we, we can just forget about. It's Footballs like this, you know, we're not as good as Man City. We're not as good as Arsenal. We're, we're, you know, on paper and financially, we're not as good as Man United. But we we are still above all of the rest of the teams in the league and deserve to be there. I don't think we are there because of a particular hot streak. We did have a really, really good run of fixtures before the World Cup. And I think my concern about that has come home to roost in, in, in the sense that that momentum was lost but I think we can find it again. I think we were getting there. Um, the performances against Leeds Palace that I've talked about were very good. You know, that the cup games have been excellent. West Ham was fine. This wasn't, but it's it's one game, so I'm not I'm not worrying about this sudden like, oh, we're just we're not as good as we thought we were. I think we will find it again. I think Eddie Howe will find it again. I just think it's um as I said about ten minutes ago, it's the it's the I hate the I hate the uh, the phrase, but business end of the season. You know, all the fixtures matter against these teams, and it's not going to be easy. And it's just a new experience for all of us. So, um, it's yeah, I I still think you know you come away from Bournemouth and think right we, we drew there, didn't deserve to lose, didn't deserve to win. But all the other games that we've drawn, there was arguments for us winning, and and you know, we're the only team still to have uh, well before this weekend who had who had got a draw at Arsenal. So. There's, there's so many positives to still take from just the last couple of months that I'm, I'm just not as worried uh, about that particular narrative, Dodds. I just think this sort of, we're playing, at, well, this is actually our natural level, this sixth to eighth position is just like bollocks because, you know, 
I thought Joel Linton's natural level about 18 months ago, 24 months ago, was like League One football. And he has consistently proven that not to be the case. I, I don't, I think any good coach can get tunes out of decent players. And we've got some more than decent players in our squad and a great coach. I think the thing that is uh, the problem for us is our squad depth and, and tiredness and not being able to rotate a couple of players out, even just one or two to freshen things up to relieve some of the um, the, the pressure on, on certain players. We haven't been able to do that. And as we get injuries, we're then playing players for the full 90 or, you know, th- that they might not have expected to play, um, that they might not be ready to play. Um, it's not that I think any like Eddie Howe or Jason Tindall are deliberately um, um, you know, putting players on who aren't ready, but I, I don't think we have a lot of options in a lot of positions. And that's that's the problem we've got, I think, if we're looking for problems. But I agree with Sai. Like, this is a good side. This is a, a string of, of draws. This isn't catastrophic. This isn't terrible. This good. This isn't like right home. We're, we're you know get ready for the championship. This is. It's fine. It's not great, but it's fine. And and I think we will pick back up. I think a good summer and a couple of signings and that this is just a, this this conversation or this theory is is a distant memory. So I'm not worried from that perspective. I don't think our natural. Um, you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes. I don't think there is a natural position for us in the table with this set of players. I think all of these players are capable of greatness, pretty much all of them. And it's a lull. Players have lulls. It's, it's a long season. There's been a lot of football. There's been a lot of um, games we've had. We've been part of two cup competitions. We're in a final of one. This is fantastic. It's it's hard work and and that's okay. Yeah, there's lots of other football clubs in this division and beyond who would love to be 17 games unbeaten. Would absolutely mm. love it. So it's still been an extraordinary season. The team have dipped a little bit in recent weeks. That happens in every team's season pretty much. Look at Arsenal. Probably fans probably having the same conversations now. And whatever happens today is we record ahead of Manchester City and Manchester United playing. And, and, and it's not inconceivable that way they win both of their games. Um you know, Newcastle will be within touching distance, kind of, you know, three to eight, five to eight points of both of them going into mid-February. You know, I'm pretty sure every single Newcastle United fan would have taken that pre-season. Um, and I think I think it's a really good point that you both make, and particularly the point that this, this is a blip, but not just for this season, for the last 12 months. We also had a blip last season where we, we lost three in a row uh, and similar kind of conversations were had, and the team roared back from that, bounced back from that. Eddie Howe does have it in him. And we've got some very good footballers to come back into this team. I'm really excited, in fact, for the next few weeks, not just for the cup final, obviously, but those Liverpool and Manchester City games were a real test for this side and and, and games where they'll have to defend better, but also they will get more opportunities, you'd hope, because those teams will open up far more against Newcastle and we could be having completely different conversations after those games. We'll leave it there for today, though. Thanks to you two both for your time. Thanks to everybody who listens to True Faith Podcast. Uh, we're on Patreon, three to eight pounds a month. Lots more to come this week as we build up to that Liverpool game, and of course to Wembley uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Come and join us on Patreon if you like, three to eight pounds a month. Also, we have lots of True Faith merchandise, which I never mention on the podcasts uh, on the True Faith site. I'll put that and a link to this as well. We've got Cup Final T-shirts, Cup Final Specialist and Fanzine, Cup Final pin badges, 
I will personally post these things to you myself if you, <laughs> you mean the honour of buying them. Uh, link in the description of this pod. Just want to be absolutely clear, though, there, Alex, that you're not going to post them through the door yourself. No, no. Royal Mail will take on that responsibility um, for for us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a show this week. More uh, on that, I'm sure, through the week. And uh, speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.